Welcome to the Eldorado Gaming Deck Series. Eldorado Gaming is your site for premier accessories like metal dice and playmats. Eldorado Gaming sponsors the My Mythical Meta podcast, and the deck series features Magic the Gathering decks played by the My Mythical Meta crew. Subscribe to the channel and comment with your own suggestions or questions for the players. Welcome back to the My Mythical Meta deck series. My name is Travis, and I'm joined by my best friend, Derek. Say hi. Hello. It's me. Hey, Derek. Best friend. <laughs> it is just the two of us tonight, and we are going to go over one of my commander decks. This is pretty new in my rotation. I just built this deck last year. Derek, do you remember one of the first couple games with it? I remember one game we played with it. I don't know if it was the first one, but we had all picked Jun Commanders. <laughs> uh, so we were just kind of Junning each other out. Yeah, but it it is pretty insane. So the deck we're going to talk about tonight is Agnes the Dragon's Lash. This commander is from Streets of New Capenna. And let me just say that Streets of New Capenna was one of my favorite sets. Like, it has all the fun stuff that Ravnica has, except it was based around three colors instead of two. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I know it was kind of a point of contention for a lot of people with the uh, the Art Deco, yeah. Roaring Twenties motif that was going on. But I think it was neat. It was nice to see something that was fresh and new, interesting, never before seen at this point. Yeah, I just really enjoyed Streets of New Capenna. That was a set where I bought all of the Commander decks. I bought Henzi, and I'm very glad I did. Oh, yeah. I super regret not buying the other ones. Yeah. Because every time I'm building decks and I'm looking at what people think, would be good in that deck. Eventually, there's like three, four, five, six cards that are from those commander decks. I'm like, oh man. I know. It was such a great <sighs> set. It had tons of good cards. Agnes, though, is actually not from the decks. Agnes was from the base set. Agnes is Zayatora's second in command. Zayatora was the dragon head of the the Riveteers. Was that what yes. Jund was? And Agnes is the second in command. Let's uh, go through what Agnes has to offer. Agnes costs four mana, and it has some of those hybrid mana costs in it. But the important thing is that one of them has to be red, and then the other two can be either green or black. So this is a Jund Red Green Black Commander. She is a Vyashino Warrior. She's a 3-3. She has haste, and her ability says, whenever a creature you control with haste attacks, create a tapped treasure token. Treasure tokens can be tapped and sacrificed for mana. They are artifact tokens. Agnes having them come in tapped is relevant. It has to be untapped so that you can tap it and sacrifice it. So the idea behind Agnes is that you get the treasure token, but you have to wait a turn to use it. As you'll see in this deck, I have a couple ways to make that not a problem at all. <laughs> you know, just the act of the treasure token coming in will do stuff, or I have some things that can untap or let me spend the treasures immediately anyway. Derek, yeah. what do you think of Agnes's base abilities? Right off the jump, I do see her ability cares about haste, creatures with haste, mm -hmm. and treasures. What kind of strategy? I mean, I you know, I know. It's, it's treasures. <laughs> you went with treasures. But yeah. How hard did you lean on haste? I kind of went a smattering of two different directions. I do have a couple of creatures with native haste, but 
Mainly, I grabbed a couple of enchantments that just give everything haste. I have four different cards specifically that just say everything you control has haste. And then the rest, there's a smattering of cards that have haste. And weirdly, I kind of went with goblin tokens as one of my focuses because there are several enchantments that create goblin tokens with haste. And the idea behind Agnes here is that if I'm creating these 1-1 goblins with haste, I don't actually care if they live. <laughs> I'll swing them into anybody's wall or anybody's dragon or whatever, because all I care about is getting the treasure tokens. I don't know if you remember in the two games I've played with her, but I'm gonna swing Agnes every single turn, no matter what. Right. And it just does not matter what walls other people have because this deck has to ramp out. Obviously, the treasure tokens are a huge crutch for that. And when we talk about my ramp package in this deck, it's actually pretty skim, but that's because all of these treasure tokens are gonna help me top out and cast my big spells anyway. That was the strategy I went with, was make all my creatures have haste, swing every time. This might be one of my most aggressive decks, second maybe to Krenko Mob Boss, because I need those treasures. If I don't get the treasures, I won't be able to cast the cards that I draw. Every deck has its set of vegetables. We call those ramp, card draw, and removal. These are things that every deck needs to have in order to function. Commander is a singleton format. That means there's only one of each card in the deck. And so you need to be able to draw cards. That way you can make sure to see the winning cards in your deck, cards that are gonna help you push it over the top. Every deck needs ramp in order to have more lands than your turn count so that you can cast the big spells. If your game has gone six, seven, or eight turns, then someone is likely close to winning. And if you are literally only playing one land per turn, then you're probably only casting one or two spells a turn also. That's what makes ramp so important. Those games when you don't get ramp, they are brutal. They are so, so brutal. Have like eight mana on turn four or five, and you're sitting there four mana, five mana on turn five, and like I can cast one thing, and it might be my commander. Yeah, like you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, top decking. If it takes too long to draw one of those ramp spells, then everybody else's game plan is already active and going, and you're just sitting there being like, ugh, I drew a five drop that I can play. You know, I can play one spell this turn. Mm -hmm. It just hurts really, really bad if you don't hit your ramp. And this deck works really well because its main source of ramp is in the command zone. Your hope, of course, is to get some ramp at the beginning of the game in order to push Agnes out faster than turn four. So let's go through the ramp package first. This deck actually does not have most of your normal green ramp cards. Rampant Growth, Cultivate, Kodama's Reach, it does not have those. Instead, there's only a few artifacts, a few creatures, the rest of it is all your commander in the command zone. Some relevant things that are pretty normal, that I think are pretty standard. This deck does run an Arcane Signet. It's really hard to beat a mana rock at two mana that taps for any color that you need. It does have a Sakura Tribe Elder. This is a 1-1 creature for two mana, one and a green, and it has the ability to sacrifice Sakura Tribe Elder, search your library for a basic land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. This is a great card. 
There's a reason it's still $2, even though it gets reprinted all the time. Because it comes in early, it blocks an attack, and then gets you a land. I think Sakura Tribe Elder is really good for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I have really moved away from anything that costs like three or four mana for yeah. ramp. It... <sighs> I, I know it's kind of a growing sentiment in the community. I need to be doing stuff on turn three, mm -hmm. like to, to start throwing punches or something. Yeah. And when you have to take turn one and turn two off, doing nothing seems like such a waste. I know. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer on these these two mana ramp spells. Yeah, another one is Birds of Paradise. Classic. One green for a zero one with flying, and it can tap to add one mana of any color. This is another really great card because it can block a flyer if you need to. And of course, starting turn two, it can start adding mana to your mana pool which I think is really important. This card has gotten up to $7. I think there might be some versions of it that are cheaper. They did just reprint it in Ravnica Remastered. Ooh, but that's more expensive. <laughs> I'm looking at a full art version that's 10 bucks. I mean, it looks nice. So if you have a Birds of Paradise lying around, it's a great choice if you have it. Hey, proxy it. Delighted Halflings, another creature like Birds of Paradise, that taps for any mana. Oh, you're right. It's a legendary creature. That was new from, from the, the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings set. That's right. Yep. Ooh, maybe I should add that here. Nah, I, I don't think I need to add it. What was it called? Uh, Delighted Halfling. Delighted Halfling. I almost called it Legendary Halfling. <laughs> Ah, Frodo, Sam. <laughs> yeah, because it taps and lets you cast specifically legendary creatures. Yeah, and I, I think they know. can't it, be countered. I think that's true too. So now let's talk about some other ramp stuff that is just especially good for this deck. Only because I was lucky and pulled it in a pack, I do have a Jeweled Lotus in this deck. This is a $90 card, but there is a very strong reason for it. It costs zero. So you toss it onto the battlefield for free. You can tap and sacrifice it to add three mana of any one color. And that mana can only be used to cast your commander. With a Jeweled Lotus in my opening hand, I can cast Agnes turn one. Yeah. If and I have a land. It's got haste, so you're already swinging and you're getting your one treasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. It's insanely powerful in these aggro decks specifically. I have it here in Agnes, and I have it in Krenko Mob Boss for that exact reason. I want these aggro commanders out as fast as possible. Yeah, and I think, especially with Agnes, this is a three-color deck because you have those hybrid symbols. It really works well in this deck, and mm -hmm. also for four-color commanders, if you got one land, like you said, you're casting on turn one. That's the dream. Yeah, this is a three-color deck, and to be casting your commander turn one, that's absolute madness. I have seen some Agnes decks that are mono-red. I could, I could see it. Yeah. That way you just absolutely don't have to worry about any other colors, and you can get Agnes out that much faster because you don't have to worry about your fixing. I saw a lot of black that I wanted to use in this particular deck, though because Black mm -hmm. has some artifact synergies I wanted to use. I've been wanting to make a treasure deck since Nuka Capena came out, and there was so much treasure support. Mm -hmm. And I, I keep thinking in my head, red is the treasure color, so it has to be at least red. And then yeah. I'm like, well, Black has, if if red is creating the treasures, Black's creating the win cons mm -hmm. for those treasures. You know, you have the, the Mirkwood Bats, you have... Oh, that's a card I need to add to this deck. That would That's a game I, finisher by itself. I think I might have added it, but just didn't update the deck oh and, and then green supports red's treasure mm -hmm. creation so well here here's mirkwood bats for any listeners 
Mirkwood Bats is from The Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth. It costs three and a black, four mana, for a two-three flying bat. Whenever you create or sacrifice a token, each opponent loses one life. Does not specify what kind of token it requires. This can be creature tokens if you're running humans or rats or saprolings or whatever, or your treasures. Every time you create a treasure, each opponent loses one, Every time you sack that treasure for mana, each opponent loses one. They're going to lose that life on the way in and on the way out. Absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. This is the card that started it all for me. Bootlegger Stash. In your yes. Room. It says it's cost five in green. It's an artifact. Lands you control have tap created treasure tokens. So it like lets you store your mana up. If you don't have something to spend it on at that time, save it and roll it into the next one. I love that idea so much. And then it's a card that's like, I need to make a treasure deck. You know, it has to be red and it should be black. And now it needs to be green, but then blue and red has good artifact synergy. And then red, white has some artifact synergy. So it's like, ah, I don't know how to pick what I need. When Bootlegger Stash came out, I remember being on a soapbox saying it ought to be white because it's all about saving and storing and planning for later. But if we're being honest... Green being able to double and store its mana for later, that's pretty green too, so... Yeah. I can't be too mad at it. I could see either way. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're wrong with it could have been white. Yeah. Let's keep the pace moving. I've got a gold span dragon in this deck. This is a dragon that has haste, and so it's gonna be swinging and creating treasures as long as Agnes is out there. It costs five, three red red, has flying and haste. Whenever Goldspan Dragon attacks or becomes the target of a spell, create a treasure token. And then this second passive ability is why it's in here. Treasures you control have this new ability, tap, sacrifice, add two mana of any one color. Treasures normally tap for one, now they tap for two. Goldspan Dragon was a lucky pull in Jumpstart. He's a fun little guy. Yes, a very fun little guy. I wish I have him, but he's like a $19 card now. Yes. Card Kingdom. Yeah, but he has haste, and he creates a treasure every time he attacks, so that means if Agnes is out there, you're going to get two from just Goldspan Dragon. Reign of Riches is another five mana enchantment, three red red. When Reign of Riches enters the battlefield, create two treasure tokens. So I kind of use girl math there to tell me that it only costs three. (laughs) (laughs) Because it comes in and you immediately get two refunded. Yeah. It says the first spell you cast each turn that mana from a treasure was spent to cast has cascade. So now you start getting free spells from the top of your deck when you're using treasures to cast spells. Mm -hmm. I've got inspired Inspiring Statuary. It says non-artifact spells you cast have Improvise. It costs three mana, and because my spells have Improvise now, it can tap for mana because it's an artifact, and now my treasures can tap for mana. That's what the Improvise ability is. Your artifacts can help cast spells with Improvise just by tapping and adding one mana. So now all of those treasures can add mana without sacrificing. Now, I do have to choose if I do that, because treasures have to tap and sacrifice to create colored mana. But if I just need colorless, then I can tap it, save the treasure. The last one is Curse of Bounty. This is the last card in my specific rant package, although I do have plenty of other things that create treasures throughout the deck. Curse of Bounty is a two-mana curse 
One and a green. You enchant a player. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, untap all non-land permanents you control. Each opponent attacking that player untaps all non-land permanents they control as well. With Agnes, if you attack the player that has the Curse of Bounty, you can stack your triggers in such a way where you create the tapped treasures and then Curse of Bounty goes off and you can untap them immediately. I think this is an inspired choice. I would never would have thought of this card. Yeah, it allows your treasures to basically come in untapped. Mm -hmm. Now, they aren't. They're coming in tapped and then untapping, but Curse of Bounty for two mana allows you to do that as long as you pick the right player. Here's a question along this line is I don't see a Seedborn Muse. What made you not choose that over something like this? I have one Seedborn Muse and I think it's in another deck Okay. at the moment. I think the one I have is from a pre-con. I don't remember which one though. Okay. Well, I guess if you're not running a lot of instants... It's not really a super yeah. move for it since it, it would, it be a would still be nice to let me untap my hasty creatures. That way I can mm -hmm. still have them up for defense. But I think it's a card where you could take or leave. And I'm sure there's something in this deck that I could replace with Seedborn Muse and it'd be just as good. Yeah, okay. Maybe Kalein, Reclusive Painter. It's a human elf bard. And it says, when Kalein, Reclusive Painter, enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on them for each mana from a treasure spent to cast them. Uh, now that I reread that, I don't know because... If I cast, you know, a big dragon and spend five treasure on it, yeah. he's going he's gonna to come in with five plus one plus one counters. It comes in as a monster. I mean, yeah. that gold span dragon comes is going to be a 9-9. Nine, nine yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know, but it's definitely something to consider. Mm -hmm. One other thing similar to Curse of Bounty, this card I did buy for this deck. I shelled out 30 bucks for it. It's called the Woof. Amulet of Vigor. It is a one mana artifact, and it says whenever a permanent enters the battlefield tapped and under your control, untap it. It's a good card. Oh, it's worth yeah. the price. It is a very good card. I saved it specifically for this deck because of, obviously, all of the tapped treasures, but it's not just for those treasures either. It says whenever a permanent. So all of these lands I have that enter the battlefield tapped, whoop, whoop, just untap it. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Let's take a look at the card draw package. I went with several instants and sorceries here that say sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw two cards. I have costly plunder, deadly dispute, reckoner's bargain is another one. Reckoner's bargain has a little bonus text to it. It says you can sacrifice an artifact or creature as an additional cost to cast a spell. And it says you gain life equal to the sacrificed permanence mana value. So, if I needed to, I could sacrifice a creature and gain a couple life with it. But if we're all being honest, I'm going to sacrifice an extra token. Mm -hmm. And draw two cards and maybe gain zero life. Yeah, and I see Sign and Blood and... Um, Sign and Blood and nice Ice Whisper. Whisper. <laughs> yeah, those, those cards that let you draw two cards, but you pay two life for yeah. two mana. It's great. Yeah. Two mana, draw two, lose two life. In Commander, there's just absolutely no reason not to play these when you start with 40 life. These are the kinds of cards that I would love to put in my gift decks for you guys, but they cost $1.29, $2.79, and those cards just add up. Yeah, they do. When you're stuck with a $50 budget. Here I'm not, though, and so that's why, uh, that's why they're in. I have Chronomancer, which is from the Warhammer set. It's a 1-1 flying for two mana. You can pay one, tap it, and sack an artifact to draw a card. So this is a repeatable way to sacrifice a treasure, 
draw a card. I just think that two mana for a card or one mana for a card is a great rate. Same with Trading Post. It has four different abilities and they all cost one mana to activate and then they do several different things. You can discard a card to gain four life. You can pay one life to create a zero one goat creature. You can sacrifice a creature in order to return an artifact from your graveyard to your hand. I might be doing this if someone destroys Amulet of Vigor early in the game. But the last one is pay one, tap, sacrifice an artifact, draw a card. You know, if I can pay one, sack a treasure token, draw a card repeatedly over and over and over again throughout the game, I think that's pretty good. Idol Oblivion's very much like that, except it only costs two mana, and it has a tap, draw a card, activate only if you created a token. Well, if you're attacking with a haste creature with August on the field, you are getting that treasure token. So it's just a free card draw right there. Exactly. And then it's not for this, but you could pay eight, tap, sacrifice Idol of Oblivion, create a 10-10 colorless Eldrazi <laughs> creature token. Yeah. I'm sure there's a deck that's good in. This is probably not the one. <laughs> that is just bonus text. I have never once in my entire life created the Eldrazi from Idol of Oblivion. Mm -hmm. But it's there. Surprise. You know, if I have one of my haste enchantments out that gives every creature I control haste, it's like, ah, I have all these extra treasures lying around. Let me just create a 10-10 Eldrazi token. Those are fun. I don't even <laughs> need the cards. <laughs> yeah. A couple other good card draw things in here. I have Tome of Legends. It costs two mana. It enters the battlefield with a page counter on it. Whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks, you put a page counter on it, and then you can pay one, tap it, and remove a page counter from the Tome of Legends to draw a card. This is just a lot of text, a lot of mechanics that say, if you attack with your commander, you can draw a card with this. Agnes is gonna be swinging, even into things bigger than her, because I need the treasures. That's what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna draw cards with it. Professional Facebreaker I have in my card draw category. It gives me some red impact. Impulsive draw. It costs two and a red for a 2-3 human warrior with menace. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create a treasure token, sacrifice a treasure, exile the top card of your library, you may play that card this turn. Something cool to note here is I can use Agnes's tapped treasures in order to activate professional facebreaker and desperately look at the top cards of my library. Yeah, I think that's great. And also I think whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create a treasure that counts each player, right? If you can, if yes, you, it does. You'll come in, yeah. So that could be three treasures right there. Yep. And it itself has menace to help you get in. Exactly. So it's going to be swinging in. Your other hasty creatures, you know, if I have enough, are going to be getting in with other players. Agnes is going to create those tapped treasures that I can sacrifice to look at the top cards. Derek, tell us about Corvold. Oh, Corvold, the Fey Curse King, black, red, green, and two. Flying 4-4, Dragon Noble. Whenever he enters the battlefield or attacks, sacrifice another permanent. Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on Corvolt and draw a card. Boy, talk about a one-stop shop. This guy uh, yeah. feels like he does it all. I had a Corvolt deck that I turned into Henzy, but I think this is such a good place for him to be in where he's just eating all these treasures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the, the really cool thing is that you don't have to sacrifice the treasure specifically for Corvold. All Corvold has to do is see it go yeah and suddenly you're drawing a ton of cards getting a bunch of counters you can do that in response to him dealing combat damage to wipe someone out by surprise yeah Maybe they don't notice it or something and of course the card draw card draw and the counters just from paying treasures to cast spells normally it's absolutely insane he's a 15 dollars card now i got him when he was a brawl precon from throne of eldraine let's talk about some removal cards every deck needs a suite of removal cards 
because you need to protect your game plan. Everybody else is going to be playing threats, and so you need to be able to address them. This deck does have, I think, some more of the normal green, red, black stuff. I've got Feed the Swarm here, one and a black, destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls. You lose life equal to that permanence mana value. This is black's answer to enchantments, really one of its only answers to enchantments. Red does not have a lot of it. Green has some, and I do have some of that here. I have Broken Bond, which I've talked about on the podcast before. This is one in a green. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. I think this is an underplayed card. Absolutely, dude. You have to have the land you play for turn and then another land for it to be yeah. good. But I still think it's still underplayed. Was it against you I cast this on? I think I did, right? Yeah, it was me. You, We were doing our Christmas game. Yeah, you had played Soul Ring and then I was playing Ilharg and Radigan guest right our, yeah, our yeah, yeah secret yeah. Deck. yeah i'd done that on turn two ramped and i mean i set you way back because yes, i destroyed a soul ring i think and man it, to slow someone else down while also speeding yourself up i think it's great i have actually lost count of the number of times i've broken bonded someone else's turn one or two ramp spell you know yeah. they, they may have done a thought vessel or a mind stone or a soul ring or maybe one of those green enchantments that enchants a land and enables it to tap for more and produce more mana uh broken bond play an extra land i'm up they're down i've lost count of how many times i've done that it's just so good nature's claim is the same because it only costs one green people one green for an instant destroy target artifact or enchantment its controller gains for life you know i love using nature's claim to get somebody else's early game ramp off the board for life is nothing that for life is nothing it's the same reason we use swords to plowshares to get rid of a big creature mm -hmm. you know life is the easiest thing to take away from somebody so i think it's just the best gift to give somebody in return for getting rid of their stuff. A couple other moves here in my removal suite. I've got Whole Breach. This is a red and green spell that gives you a lot of options. You can destroy an artifact or destroy an enchantment or destroy target artifact and target enchantment. I don't know why it's phrased in this way. Maybe it's, it's just, just because it's an old card. Yeah. But yeah, you can destroy two things with Hull Breach. For two mana. For a red and a green. I think that's really good. I do have Decimate. Some people say that Decimate's not good because you do literally have to target everything. I'll read what it does. Two red and a green for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact, target creature, target enchantment, and target land. This spell must have four targets, so it sometimes gets flack because if your opponents don't have enough uh, legal targets, you have to target something of your own. That's never happened to me. <laughs> I think it's happened once or twice to me. Enough where I feel burned by this card and I don't really run it anymore. <laughs> oh man, you're like Darth Vader. You have failed me for the last time. Yeah. Like if I was in <laughs> just a red-green deck, I might consider it, but anything red-green plus, I, I wouldn't put it in there. Yeah, I mean, different strokes for different folks. Maybe yeah. when this card does burn me, I'll feel really bad about it, but four mana for four permanents? It is pretty nice. Especially Dude. target land. Land. Especially target land. Let me finally have an answer for someone's mystifying maze. Yeah, their maze or, of Ith or Homeward Path or Homeward Path, Cabal Coffers. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I've never not had enough targets for Decimate. D Glamour. I think is underplayed. This is one in a green for an instant. It's just another green artifact or enchantment removal, but it does it in a different way. It says choose target artifact or enchantment. Its owner shuffles it into his or her 
her library. I've never seen this card before. It seems like a very blue effect. Yeah, to have it shuffle back in. Mm -hmm. So instead of sending it to the graveyard where people can recur their stuff, it shuffles it back in and they have to eventually find it again, if ever. This next one has me intrigued. Azuri's Predation, green, 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 and five for a sorcery. For each creature your opponent's control, create a 4-4 green Phyrexian beast creature token. Each of those tokens fights a different one of those creatures. So what, what you, made you put... I was just going to ask, what do you think? I love this card. It has been a heaven-sent gift to me in Thrun mm -hmm. more than once. Oh, yeah. What made you want to put it in this deck uh, instead of like some kind of blackboard or something. So, I do additionally have a blackboard wipe. We'll talk about in right. Garrick's Wake in a minute, but Azuri's Predation costs 8. It's one of those top-end cards that I can spend lots of treasures on. And then, it creates a number of 4-4 four, four green beasts equal to the number of all of my opponent's creatures. Every single one of them. Randy's running Darien. You know, he's got 50 tokens out, 200 it's tokens out or whatever. O'Hare talk. Oh, now. that's right. That's right. He remade and it. And now it's 60 instead of 20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to get that many green beasts. A few of you may die. <laughs> <laughs> if other people have enough bigger creatures. But that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Because every beast that lives, if I can give it haste... Here, I can go ahead and talk about my haste package. I've got four cards that grant my creatures haste. Roar of Resistance is one in a red. Creature tokens you control have haste. That's just really good. It has another ability where you can pay two to give creatures that are attacking my opponents plus two plus oh. That's pretty good, but it's not why it's here. Creature tokens I control have haste. Urabrat Ask the Hidden. Creatures I control have haste. Creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped for three red red. And he's a 4-4. Four, four. Hammer of Perforos. One red red. Creatures I control have haste. And then last one, I bought at TCGCon last year for $13. It's wow. up to about 16-ish. It's called Concordant Crossroads. One green, all creatures have haste. The idea behind Concordant Crossroads is you only play it when you want to win or when it's really worth it because you don't want to give all your opponents creatures haste. If I can have any one of these effects that give all my creatures haste, I can cast Azuri's Predation, get a ton of beasts, swing with them, and generate that many treasures. So pretty, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> it is a little bit of a magical Christmas land. Right. Because I have to have one of my haste enablers plus Agnes, but ah, that's, that's pretty good. It's pretty Shoot wild. Shoot for the fences. Miracles happen. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane. I do also have In Garrick's Wake, which is probably the strictly better version of Azuri's Predation. It's a black sorcery. It costs nine. Seven black black. Destroy all creatures you don't control and all planeswalkers you don't control. Pretty intense. Nine mana but it absolutely clears the board of everyone else's everything except for their indestructible creatures. I think it's a fun card. I yeah. think I only own one of these. I think it came in a pre-con early in my career. Oh, yeah. I've got Tyrant's Familiar. This is a dragon with haste, and whenever it swings, it deals seven damage to target creature. I have Assassin's Trophy. It's black and a green. Destroy target permanent and opponent controls. Its controller can search their library for a basic land. This is really good just because you can target any permanent with it, but the last two things I want to hit in this category are specific to the treasures. First, there's Giripur Ether Grid. This is an enchantment for two 
and a red. You can tap two untapped artifacts you control. Giraper Ether Grid deals one damage to any target. This is any artifacts, period. So if I have Inspiring Statuary or... Amulet of Vigor. What are you tapping it for? Amulet of Vigor is not tapping for anything. It doesn't yeah. tap for anything, so I can use it. But of course, I can use the treasure tokens for it too. In order to get somebody's last two life down or to ping down somebody's one toughness creature, I think Giraper Ether Grid is great for managing some really small stuff. And then there's Mayhem Devil. This is a 3-3 devil for three mana. One, a black, and a red. Whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, Mayhem Devil deals one damage to any target. This is not just just gonna count me and my treasures. It's gonna count my opponents and their treasures, my opponents and their clues, their food, their fetch lands, their creatures that are sacrificing other things. Mayhem Devil gets to ping something for one. I have this guy in Henzy because I'm sacrificing my own stuff. Oh yeah. But I put this guy in my decks because I know it's going to hurt Benjamin more than it's going to hurt someone. Well, you know, he's going to give me the, <laughs> the fuel to start machine gunning things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Imagine he's out when Benjamin plays a Fleshbag Marauder. It's yeah. like, okay, Benjamin, you can play a Fleshbag Marauder, but Mayhem Devil's going to whack you in the head for four damage. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, have fun. That's my removal, ramp, and card draw package. And overall, that occupies... 11 plus 9, 20 plus 12. So 32 cards. About 30-ish of my cards are my vegetables. Now, obviously, I want my vegetables, ramp, card draw, and removal. I want them to synergize with what the rest of my deck is doing. That way, these cards can be running double duty. And I hope I've done that with this package that I have. You really want the cards that are doing all of these basic functions. If you can, you want them to work with your commander's ability as well. You want them to synergize with what the rest of your deck is doing. I think also is that, for this commander at least, you're just going to want to go as fast as possible, mm -hmm. always hitting people, making treasures and then using those treasures to cash in for even bigger creatures to hit and make more treasures like it's all about just that aggression yeah so you can leave the removal to the rest of the table and this deck is a light ramp package because there's so much treasure generation in this deck agnes is going to make treasures herself Let's go to the token synergy package now. Mm -hmm. This category is not just about treasure generation, but it's going to be looking at several different types of tokens as well. It's going to look at a couple of creature options, and then anything that says this token has haste. There's lots of those. That way they can do stuff every turn rather than only having a one-time effect. I have Stimulus Package. This was from the new Capenna set. It's an enchantment for four, two, red, and green. When Stimulus Package enters the battlefield, create two treasure tokens. So like I said before, with Reign of Riches, it kind of refunds itself as soon as you pay for it because it gives you two treasures to spend immediately. And its ability says you can sacrifice a treasure, create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. Just like Professional Facebreaker, I think, that treasure can be tapped. It does not require me tapping the treasure. So if I need to, I can just take the tapped treasures that I make from Agnes on the combat step, and I can sack them, create citizens, and have blockers up if I need to. And I can do that at instant speed. I can transform treasure tokens into people. The one I'm looking at is Academy Manufacturer. Oh, yeah. For three colorless mana, one three assembly worker, if you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, instead create one of each. So anytime you're doing with triggering Agnes' ability, you're getting clues, food, and treasure. 
characters. The clues can be sacrificed to draw a car. The foods yep. can be sacrificed to gain life and the treasure for, for mana. So, I mean, it really covers a lot of your bases about what you would need. Yeah, it really shores up all of those gaps. I have Knight's Whisper. It's going to make me lose two life. Well, I can crack a food and gain three and get that life back. What really sends Academy Manufacturer over the edge is the finisher category, which we'll get to in a little bit, because some of these finishers say whenever an artifact enters the battlefield. And so it's going to turn one damage, for instance. It's going to turn one damage from a treasure token into three damage because it's creating one of each. Absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. There's some other things that kind of double up or add on to your token generation. We've got Jolene, the Plunder Queen, and Zorn. Both of these have the text that says, if you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. Both of those cards enable you to double treasure generation. Jolene is a 2-2 human warrior for four mana two red and a green. I really like Jolene because she creates some interesting game politics. Whenever a player attacks one or more of your opponents, that attacking player creates a treasure token. So it's kind of incentivizing your opponents to fight each other. That way they can get treasures. Then she says, when you do that, you get one more. And again, I think this is just bonus text, totally not necessary. Sacrifice five treasures, put five plus one plus one counters on Jolene. If you need her to be a seven seven instead of a two two, pay her. <laughs> get, yeah. Uh, pay, pay the treasure for it. Zorn is a three two elemental for two and a red for that ability that gives you an additional treasure token. Chatterfang is another creature that creates additional tokens. He's a 3-3 squirrel warrior for two and a green. He has forest walk, which means if any of my opponents are playing green and have any forests, he can attack unblocked. Derek, be on the lookout. I'm always on the lookout. <laughs> I'm not worried. Chatterfang's gonna come get you. He says, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus that many 1-1 green squirrel creature tokens are created instead. So you create the tokens you would originally, and then it says plus that many squirrels. So say I'm swinging and I'm gonna get five treasures, well, I'm also going to get five squirrels to go with it. And also, something with like Academy Manufacturer, when you get clue food and treasure, you get three squirrels. That's right. Chatterfang is going to see all of the tokens you make. It doesn't have to be a treasure token. It can be any kind of token. Chatterfang will see when I use Stimulus Package to create a citizen. And he'll say, hey, here's a squirrel to go with it. I had some other squirrel business going on here. Nut Collector. Green and five. Human Druid. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may create a 1-1 one, one green squirrel squirrel creature token and then he's got threshold all squirrels get plus two plus two as long as seven or more cards are in your graveyard he's also a one one so <laughs> if you got a bunch of cards in your graveyard this is jun so that's pretty likely yeah you're gonna be having three three squirrels which is it's pretty scary pretty fast yeah three three squirrels at the beginning at the beginning of your upkeep i have a whole suite of cards that just create hasty creature tokens i've got loyal apprentice for one and a red he's a two one human artificer with haste himself which is great because that means he can attack also. He has Lieutenant. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying 
that token gains haste until end of turn. So I play Loyal Apprentice. I've got two hasty creatures to attack with uh, as long as Agnes is out. I have Goblin Assault. This is an enchantment. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token with haste. Goblin creatures attack each turn if able. This is just an enchantment that's going to give me a guaranteed haste creature every single turn. I don't care if that goblin dies whenever I swing with it. I want the treasure. Damn, spoken like a true CEO. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Jund is all about making that money and building. Yeah. It's not about safety. <laughs> the Riverteers don't have any safety officers. Shame. We we need to cut the corners and, and make the money as fast as possible. That's how they got Atraxa. Dangerous, <laughs> dangerous construction. You, Atraxa died because of an OSHA violation. I've got Legion Warboss. Two and a red for a 2-2 goblin soldier with mentor, which means whenever this creature attacks, you put a plus one plus one counter on another target attacking creature you control with lesser power. So it has to be a 1-1. But he does it himself. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token. That token gains haste until end of turn and attacks this combat if able. Again, I don't care if it dies. It's going to give me a hasty attacker. Goblin Rabble Master, two and a red for a 2-2 Goblin Warrior. Other Goblin creatures you control attack each combat if able. Again, that's fine. They can die. All I need from them is to make me treasure. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 red Goblin creature token with haste. Whenever Goblin Rabble Master attacks, it gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn for each other attacking Goblin. None of that <laughs> last paragraph is important. I only care about the hasty goblin that he makes every turn. Wolfgar of Icewind Dale. This card is an overperformer in this deck. It's absolute insanity whenever he comes out. He is a 4-4 human barbarian for 5 mana, 3 red and green. He has an ability called melee. Whenever this creature attacks, it gets plus 1 plus 1 until end of turn for each opponent you attacked this combat. So if you attack 2 players, he gets plus 2 plus 2. If you attack one, he gets plus one plus one. But it's not just plus one plus one because of his second ability. If a creature you control attacking would cause a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Whoa. Melee is an attack trigger, so it gets doubled. So he doubles his own ability. Agnes's ability is an attack trigger. Whenever a creature you control with haste attacks. So with Wolfgar, you get two treasures per attacking creature. Let's take a look at Goldspan Dragon. Whenever Goldspan Dragon attacks, create a treasure token. With Wolfgar, you create two. Those two would be tapping for four. Yes, so, and the I mean, two it treasures just, it makes would be tapping for four mana. Just an explosive. Wolfgar absolutely causes this deck to explode because of all of the attack triggers that are just lying around <laughs> on all these good creatures. Uh, I mentioned Tyrant's Familiar earlier. This is another dragon with haste. It has lieutenant. It says as long as you control your commander, Tyrant's Familiar gets plus two plus two and has whenever Tyrant's Familiar attacks, it deals seven damage to target creature defending player controls. Well, with Wolfgar, he gets to blast down two creatures or deal 14 damage to a single creature. Love it. Absolutely Wolf love it. Wolfgar is is wild. I have Swashbuckler Extraordinaire. Whenever he enters the battlefield, he creates a treasure token. He is a 2-2 Dragon Rogue Warrior for 3 mana, 2 and a red. Whenever you attack, you may sacrifice one or more treasures. When you do, up to that many target creatures gain double strike until end of turn. So now I can start giving my attacking creatures double strike. 
This category is absolute madness for a reason. This is the token synergy category. The whole point is to make Agnes's treasure tokens really work for you. The last one I have in here is an enchantment called Killer Service. This is from the New Capenna set, the New Capenna Commander decks. It's an enchantment for two and a green. When Killer Service enters the battlefield, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of opponents you have. So in general, that'll probably be three unless I get it late in the game. It says at the beginning of your end step, you may pay two mana and sacrifice a token if you do create a 4-4 green rhino warrior creature token. I think the purpose of killer service was to work with food tokens, but nothing in it says it doesn't work for treasure tokens. Pay two, sack a treasure, I create a 4-4 green rhino. Seems pretty good. That is pretty good. This would be great. I, I didn't know this card existed until now. It'd be great in my Fredo and Sam deck with all the food. Yeah, you have tons of food in that deck. Yeah. I want to mention in this category my single recursion card. I know this is a Jund deck, but I really don't have much in terms of getting stuff back out of my graveyard except for only this. It's called the Vat of Rebirth. It costs one black, it's an artifact. Whenever another artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on Vat of Rebirth. With this deck, that's going to be tons of oil counters, because I can be casting these four, five, six drops using nothing but treasures. Vat of Rebirth does not say artifact or creature card, it just asks if an artifact or creature hit the graveyard, and tokens do. They hit the graveyard and then immediately cease to exist. So Vat of Rebirth is going to see all of my treasure tokens. So it's going to get lots and lots of oil counters. It's second ability, pay three, two and a black, tap it, remove four oil counters from Vat of Rebirth, return target creature card from my graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. So once a turn, if I've got the oil counters, I can get something out of my graveyard if I need to. It's an uncommon for 50 cents. It's not great, but it's going to do the job in this deck of occasionally getting back out a target for removal. It can get me back out Corvold, or it can get me Goldspan Dragon back back out if I need them. Derek, what do you think of Vat of Rebirth? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it in a normal deck, but uh -huh. because you're making so many treasure tokens, I think it actually works. I'd have to see it in play, but I mean, I, it doesn't seem bad. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm not... saying is the investment for it is only one black mana. Yeah, and we're not playing at like super competitive level. This is just against the four of us, and we're not trying to like combo off or whatever. You know, we take 10 turn games a lot. Yeah. So I don't I think this is fine. I don't know. Like it pays for itself and exactly. also feeds itself. Yeah, that, that's kind of uh, what I'm saying is I, I, get I can it. I pay like that it. three black mana and get the oil counters I need from it. Yeah. All right. I have one protection spell in here and it's my lightning greaves. This deck could use more. I usually like having five to six things that say, nope, Agnes is protected. Nope. Can't get rid of her because there's lots of one mana green spells that do this, you know, sheltering words, snakeskin veil and stuff like that. But I don't have them here, but I've got lightning greaves. This is a two mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature has haste and Shroud, and it equips for zero. You can pay nothing and move it from one creature to another. I like that it gives haste. That way I can give Corvold haste if I need to, or mm -hmm. I can give, you know, one of these other big creatures, one of these other big dragons haste. And Shroud, I don't think I have anything in this deck that targets other creatures. Looks like Swashbuckler Extraordinaire does, but that's just a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah. I'm willing to risk that Nambo for a cheap way to give something haste and Shroud. If you don't have Lightning Greaves, 
Swiftfoot boots are fine. They're the cheaper ones. They get reprinted all the time. But Lightning Greaves are about seven bucks, and I've never seen them go down. Uh, something that you would know better than me, because I can't remember. What happens to this deck if Agnes dies? How bad are you hamstringed by <laughs> us taking out your commander? Just asking for a friend. If Agnes dies usually i have created enough treasures before she dies that those treasures help me to recast her that's what has happened in the past i get agnes out very fast usually turn three or four while other people are still ramping i start swinging making treasures hopefully by that point i have a token synergy card out somewhere because any one of these token synergy cards is going to help me get more and more treasures out. That's kind of my backup plan if Agnes gets removed the first time. After she gets the second, I'm really just hoping to draw into more card draw, draw into one of my finishers, and hope that I can create enough treasures from my other spells. Jolene and Wolfgar are both great backup commanders for this deck, mm -hmm. if I can manage to get them out. Okay. So, great question. That's something we should ask in every deck tech. What happens when your commander gets removed? Let's look at the finisher category. This is the fun category. I have 10 of these. These are the cards that enable Agnes to win the game. I have several cards that just say whenever a token dies or whenever an artifact enters the battlefield or whenever an artifact leaves the battlefield. Let's just go through some of those. I have Nadir's Nightblade. This is a 1-3 elf warrior for 3 mana for 2 and a black. Whenever a token you control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses 1 life and you gain 1 life. A little backup life gain for how aggro I've been. It's going to look obviously at the treasure tokens that I'm spending, but again it'll see every goblin creature token that dies. It'll see the food tokens. It'll see the citizen creatures that Stimulus Package makes. So Nadir's Nightblade is going to see all of it, and it's going to ping my opponents for each one that leaves the battlefield. I also have Disciple of the Vault. This is a 1-1 human cleric for one black mana. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may have target opponent lose one life. So I can spread that around if I want, or if I pay five treasure for a dragon, I can just dome somebody in the head for five damage. Reckless Fireweaver is an enter the battlefield trigger. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Reckless Fireweaver deals one damage to each opponent. This hits everybody each time an artifact enters the battlefield. So I swing with three creatures, they all have haste, I get three tapped treasure tokens. Reckless Fireweaver just slings three damage around to everybody. Marionette Master. I think this is a really great card. I want to say he came in the Prosper Tomebound commander deck, but he's been reprinted in a couple other ones too. He is a 1-3 human artificer for six mana. Four black black. He has fabricate three. When this creature enters the battlefield, put three plus one plus one counters on it, or create three one one colorless servo artifact creature tokens. Fabricate is amazing for this deck because I can use the servos to ping people down with Reckless Fireweaver or Nadir's Nightblade. Maybe I have one of my haste enablers and I can give all of those servos haste and swing with them. Or you can stack the three plus one plus one counters on marionette master for this ability whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield target opponent loses life equal to marionette master's power if you use fabricate for the servos 
His power is one, so it's the same as a Disciple of the Vault. But if you stack the three plus one plus one counters on Marionette Master, each one is doming someone for four damage. Oh, man. <laughs> one treasure and you're just wiping people out. One if you treasure. you got ten treasure, you've, you killed one person completely. Four damage per treasure token you spend. Whew. That is Nutter Butters. Well, let's do Fathom Fleet Swordjack. And then, Derek, I'll let you do the rest of them. Okay. Fathom Fleet Swordjack is a 4-3 orc pirate for 4 mana, 3 and a red. Whenever Fathom Fleet Swordjack attacks, it deals damage to the player or planeswalker it's attacking equal to the number of artifacts you control. This is yet another attack trigger that you can stack with Agnes so that you have the treasure tokens first. And it can be doubled with Wolfgar. So you can deal damage to that player twice equal to the number of artifacts you control this is the guy i remember killing uh the whole table yeah when you use that encore ability oh yeah he killed the entire table in one move because of this he can encore for five and a red so that's six mana total you exile the card from your graveyard so this means fathom fleet swordjack has died once you exile him from your graveyard, and for each opponent, you create a token copy. So now I have three Fathom Fleet Swordjacks, and then it says that copy attacks that opponent this turn if able, and they gain haste, and you sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. So they're up for one turn, they gain haste, and they must attack. All of this is great for Agnes. They all swing, they have haste, so Agnes sees them, they all get treasure tokens. Fathom Fleet Swordjack sees the treasure tokens you just made, just explodes on each opponent equal to the number of artifacts you control. This is an absolute finishing orc from the top rope move. Yeah. So next up we have Hellkite Igniter. He's a dragon. He costs red, red, and five for a five, five flying haste. And then he's got, you could pay a red and one. Hellkite Igniter gets plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is the number of artifacts you control. So two mana, you could be hitting someone for a ton of damage. <laughs> yeah, you can activate it multiple times, and you can activate it at instant speed. Yeah. So you can activate it after Agnes's attack trigger has gone off. This is, could be, you know, it's flying haze, so it's out of nowhere. And I personally have the hardest time with flyers, because everything I have is green, and I have almost no <laughs> flyers. So this this could wipe me out, and I would not have even, like, been ready for it, prepared for it, or anything. It's just like, mm -hmm. oh, I was preparing for my next turn for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I really love this card. I also yeah, think the I, art is just sick. He looks like he has jets coming out of his wings yeah it looks like he's kind of witness me type of energy <laughs> yeah these next two are kind of go toe and toe with each other it's hellkite tyrant and revel in riches yes they both care about the number of artifacts you have revel in riches cares about treasures but hellkite tyrant is a dragon a red red and four six five flying trample whenever he deals combat damage to a player gain control of all artifacts that player controls which is sick by itself yeah it's that's that is debilitating rough. Steal all of their mana rocks, which in itself is, is just absolutely insane. You will see people just double, triple, quadruple block Hellkite Tyrant because they can't lose the mana rocks. Yeah, you it's know? like you might as well have just lost. Yeah. If he takes all your rocks. Because you're going to set somebody back. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about like Randy's Ohir Talk, his mono white deck, and uh, Brago that is so reliant on having mana rocks. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that makes up over half of his mana, usually, by mm -hmm. the mid uh, late game. And he, he might as well just be knocked out of the game. You might as well just let him leave, you know? Just like, <laughs> okay, man, you've lost the game. Yeah, because I stole all the mana you were using to, to stay in. Yeah. So if that ability wasn't enough, he's also got the second paragraph. At the beginning, of your upkeep if you control 20 or more artifacts you win the game Whew. 
You, you just easy. win. The game's just over. Sorry. What, a, what an absolutely easy thing to pull off with treasures. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. And then Revel of Riches has a very similar requirement to win the game. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, you control 10 or more treasures, you win. And that's all it takes. Yeah. It's black and four enchantment. Whenever a creature and opponent control dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap. Sacri- you know, it's a treasure. Yeah. So yeah, it's just automatically you win the game. Those two cards. Woof. And then the Mac Daddy of them all... Torment of Hailfire, black, black, and X for a sorcery. Repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. This is backbreaking. This is yeah a big enough one. It's like, well, I've won the game. Yeah, because usually what you end up seeing is, okay, I'll lose 15 life. I'll discard four cards and sack three lands. It's like, oh my good god, what do what do you have left to live for? Yeah. After Torment of Hailfire. Do you want this game to continue? It's over. <laughs> it's You've over. lost, Just old man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Torment of Hailfire, it's a $20 card for a reason. It goes in lots of decks. It goes in any deck that's that's big mana that are just making tons and tons of mana that's why it's in here i pulled it from hour of devastation when it was just a rare in the in the most recent set i would never go out and spend twenty dollars for a finisher card like this yeah I but if you two got one lying around oh boy you pulled yeah. two in the same box two in the same box and also that locust god invocation and oh, a scare of god that is an insane single box dude that was the first magic product i ever bought for myself that's right that's right have you kept both of your torments of hailfire do you have them in any decks i actually don't think they are dude you should build big black mana i'm trying to i'm in the works oh is it really yeah i don't know if this card will make the cut because this isn't the kind of card that it would go in okay but yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to build more black decks now that we have this tournament going i really just want to win and i want (laughs) and you want to get all the color combination points color combination points and i just want to make sure like when i've killed you guys i've killed you yeah i have broken your spirits i have left you just broken and beaten yeah there are two cards left in the deck And we're not going to talk much about the lands. I'll point out just a few that matter because they're artifacts. But in general, whatever your land base is, is probably fine. So two cards left. Mazarek Crawl Death Priest. This is a 2-2 insect shaman with flying. He costs 5 total, 3 black and green. Whenever a player sacrifices another permanent, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each creature you control. So just like Mayhem Devil sees any player sacrificing any permanent, lands, treasure tokens, creature tokens, whatever, Mazarek sees that too, and every time you do it, you put a plus 1 plus 1 on all of your creatures. So this is insane. You know, just before combat, you crack a bunch of treasures, give your entire team plus five plus five, and finish the game. Yeah, easy. The last card, (laughs) just, it's kind of become a pet card for me, but it's never not performed really well. And it's not in the finisher category. This is a defense card. It's called Fangren Marauder. Best card in the deck. (laughs) I don't know about that. I, I, I honest to God, think it's like top five. I don't know about that, but it is really, really good. It is a 5-5 beast for six mana, five and a green. So it ain't cheap. And that's because it was a common in the set that it came out in. It's still only 50 cents, but here's its ability. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain five life. Oh that is my such God. a laughable amount of like 
life. Like, you crack four treasures, you've gained 20 life. 20 what a, life. What are your opponents going to do outside of commander damage? There's not. It, it's so much life. And, and again, this is an artifact into any graveyard. It's not just my treasures. It's everybody else's artifacts too. Derek, you may not remember, I had Fingered Marauder in a different deck, in my Clothis deck, and we were playing with a stranger at the shop, and he used a clone, and out of all the creatures on the battlefield, he copied Fangren Marauder. I do vaguely remember that. Because it's, I'm telling you, it's one of the best cards. It's 50 cents, and especially with how much treasure support there is. Yes. You, people have to pick this card up before it goes up. I think, I think it's so cheap because people don't know about it right now. I don't know. I've heard it on podcasts. People are talking about it. But five life per treasure? My goodness. That is such a huge wall of meat to put up. Yeah, didn't I pull this out? I know it's in the deck with my Frodo and Sam food deck. I had that and it's like, yes, I yeah. mean, try to catch me. I'm, I'm gaining eight life per sacrifice. Good luck. You sack the food for three. Fingen Marauder sees it and gets you five more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is my Agnes the Dragon's Lash deck. Just a just a couple lands to point out. The only ones I think that matter are the artifact lands, just because I have some effects that count the number of artifacts you have, like Fathom Fleet Swordjack from before. So I have the artifact lands from Modern Horizons 2. That's Slagwoods Bridge, Drossforge Bridge. I may have been missing the other one. But I also have Vault of Whispers, Great Furnace, looks like I don't have the green one. And honestly, I'm a huge proponent of your two color lands that come in tap, or they check something in order to come in untapped. Those are fine, and they're going to come in your pre-cons. They're going to come in your pre-constructed decks, and depending on your meta, those lands should be fine for you. Derek, do you think we should look at, like, the curve, or... Yeah, let's see what the stats Anything breakdown else? is. Let me let me jump to the mana value. So you've got a, a pretty nice looking curve to me. I mean, you've got one nine mana, which is uh, Ingarak's Wake, mm -hmm. Serious Predation at eight, two at seven, five. Like you know, it seems to like taper off real nice towards the end. Yeah. So my average mana value in this deck was three point two four, which I think is pretty standard for most commander decks at this point. I think I remember EDH Rec doing an episode where in the last year, curves are moving down. They're starting to approach the high twos and low threes, which is where this is. I really like it. It's fast. It creates really big explosive plays because its ramp package with these treasures is just so robust. Mm -hmm. It's a ton of fun. What do you think? I think it's fun. It's uh, fun to play against. I like when we're all swinging, throwing punches at each other, because that's what I'm trying to do, and I usually have the biggest things. So yeah. It's what our meta's about, man. Yeah, I love it. As we approach the end of this deck tech, listeners, I want to ask you what you liked about it. What do you think should change? What are some questions that you want to know about commander decks? It seems like our audience is a kind of filling with new magic players. And so if you're a new player, what types of information in a commander deck tech are you looking for? That is what we want to do as we start creating more of these. Thank you guys so much for listening or for watching the video, and I can't wait to see you in the next one. Tune in next time to see a good deck. My deck. Oh, dearie. Got him. I'm out of here. This episode was sponsored by Eldorado Gaming. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share. This episode was edited by me, Travis Konashek. 
And our intro and outro music is by Tyler Heath of the Oh Hellos.